You're listening to the You Mentor Talk Show, where we invite an expert each week to hear about their incredible journey and career paths. On today's show, we're chatting with Munida Kayan. From farm to plate, keep food safe. Through education of food handlers, Munida aspires to help create a culture of food safety. This week's sponsor is Kadura. As usual, I'm Fatima Al Sayed, your You Mentor Talk Show host. Make sure to tune in every Saturday at 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Just a correction, this week's sponsor is actually the Core Medispa. And remember, if you have any questions for the panelists, you can always leave them in the comments section on our Facebook page. Munira, assalamu alaikum. How are you today? Alaikum salam, Fatima. I'm good. Alhamdulillah. How are you? I'm very good. Thank you. You work in the public health realm. Public health is huge. So tell us a bit about the different fields in it. We can start off with that. Sure. Um, honestly, like you say, it's huge. So there's so much to do. Yeah. Um, my focus when I first started in this field was uh, really regarding sort of um, public health and safety and within the role of an inspector. So normally we'd work for a city public health unit and we'd be health inspectors. And we deal with concerns um, that could harm the health of, um, of the public in general. So it could be air quality, water quality. Um, it could be obviously a lot of the food service that's out there, food retail, restaurants, and so on. Uh, but public health can include community health, um, health promotion. Um, it can also include many different health professionals, nurses, doctors, uh, anyone who really deals with the health of the public. So it's, it is a huge field. And it's not just um, about law enforcement or creating uh, different types of uh, legislations and regulatory. Um, it's, it's not just that, right? Not at all. No. I mean, it definitely encompasses that as well. And that's why it's, it's a nice field because it's broad that, you know, depending on your interest, you can branch out to what's interesting to you. Uh, it's not only about law enforcement. The portion that I really appreciated or liked and, and gravitated to was the education side of it. Okay. Um, what is the education side? So it, again, can be very broad. Yeah. Um, my focus has been over the last almost 20 years has been on uh, safe food handling. Uh, but public health education can deal with, again, any topic that's related to the health of the public. Um, within the uh, food service or um, food industry, you can deal with um, educating the people who are actually handling foods, uh, processing foods, and, and whatnot. So there's also different levels. Um, and uh, in many jurisdictions, there will be requirements for food handlers or people who open restaurants or other food retail locations that they have to follow a certain level of certification so that they know how to handle food properly and make sure that what they're serving the public is going to be safe for consumption. And that's really where I've been focusing my career for the last few years. So they, do they bring you in to tell them or do they take a course or how does the system work? Yeah. So sometimes it's um, connected to um, a permit that an operation of food premise would get where when they want to open a business, they would have to um, go and take a course. And yes, the public health inspector would normally be the one who would give that information out. And um, so for me right now, I'm working as a consultant within the food industry. And my main role is to educate uh, people in this industry on how to handle food safely. Mm -hmm. um, so they, you know, um, individuals can find me either through different websites if they're looking for the education or they might be referred to me through 
uh, a company that knows, you know, you can get education this way. Mm -hmm. And their main goal would to be would be to get a certificate showing that now they're, you know, safe food handlers. And, and sometimes it's a requirement in most of Canada right now, we do have a requirement that at least one person in each food premise has to have a, a safe food handling certificate. Mm -hmm. Does public health have to be just food or is it a wider? Yeah, not at all. Actually, um, health units across Canada vary on how they, they structure and sometimes they change it. So sometimes a health inspector will be given a jurisdiction, like an area. This is the area that you will inspect and you'll inspect anything in that area that um, has institutions or, or, or um, organizations, companies, whatnot, that deal with that might affect the health of the public. So you're looking at daycares, um, schools. Um, hospitals, food premises. Um, you might even go into like um, a building that has an office and there's a problem with air quality. So sometimes a health inspector will be in charge of looking at all of those issues within their territory, or mm -hmm. sometimes a health unit may divide their health inspectors by a, um, special specialties, you know? So, okay, now you're a health inspector that's just going to go at the food premises in that local area. And then another health inspector will deal with all the, the sort of educational institutions, daycares and schools, and make sure that the that location is safe for the people who are in those buildings, for example. So it varies. Um, even as a health inspector, it can vary as to what their role is, but people tend to have this general understanding that a health inspector only deals with food, and that's not the case. Okay. <laughs> Were you ever a health inspector? Um, I dabbled in that field, we can say. Yeah. So the program that I did is a four-year university program. It's an undergraduate degree. It's a Bachelor's mm -hmm. of Applied Science in Public Health. And part of our degree is a, um, a placement. So that's as far as I dabbled into it. I did my placement. It's uh, usually a three to four months um, placement. And at that point, I knew that for me, it wasn't really what... Um, was that interesting to me. Like I, I liked the field. It was interesting in a, in a broad sense, but I wanted to get more one-on-one -on -one contact with people. So yes, I did. I was living in the city of Toronto at the time and um, it was an interesting experience. Um, you have to be really good with your customer service skills as well because you're dealing with the public and people and um, operators who have a job to do and they want to get food out. For example, when I was uh, uh, inspecting uh, restaurants. And so they don't necessarily want you there inspecting their premise when they're really busy. Mm. Um, I remember another thing that we used to do, and I didn't mention it before, like even public swimming pools, you know, we're responsible to go and make sure that that environment is safe for the for the users. So, you know, checking mm -hmm. sort of um, chemical levels and making sure that the water would be safe for the bathers. Um, so I didn't stay in the field very long because I also had an opportunity that came knocking on my door where I could um, concentrate into the field of education within uh, food safety education. Okay. What did you not like about um, being a health inspector? Um, I didn't feel I was able to build the rapport that I wanted between myself and the people that um, I had to interact with, like the, the for example, a restaurant owner. Um, normally, we're seen as law enforcement um, agents, and uh, I felt that that level of authority between me and the other person caused sort of a, um, a conflict of interacting and really taking advantage of the relationship we could have built. Whereas I felt like here, I have some information that I might be able to share with you if you want it. Um, let's work on what's not working with for you. What are your challenges? I mean, we can find more relationship of uh, yeah. hearing you closing down the restaurant. 
Exactly. And sometimes it's just the time doesn't permit yeah. you because you're there for a certain amount of time and then you're out and you don't see them again for, you know, maybe another four to six months. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, I didn't feel fulfilled with that. It was, it was something that was missing. How did you get into the public health field? What draw, drew you to it mm -hmm. when you were in University. Well, I remember when I was in high school, I really liked the sciences and there were a few careers that were interesting to me. And I was looking, you know, sort of in the guidance counselor's office um, through different programs that were available uh, in the sciences. And I found this one and I felt it was a good starting point where I could study something in the science that wasn't too scientific either, right? I didn't want to do research and um, I didn't want to dwell into it too much. Um, and I wanted to do something with the public. So it had a good mix of that. Plus, it had a job at the end of the four-year degree available for me. So if I wanted to stop there, there was that available. And if I wanted to continue in something else, that was also a possibility where it was a good stepping block to a further, you know, a another degree in something more specific. So I, I liked that program a lot. The fact that it had many options for me. So you could step back or a step forward and still have the flexibility to make that your own decision when you want to take a break, but still be working in the field. Exactly. And I think at what, at that age, you know, 17, 18 year old who's choosing what to do, it's kind of hard, right? Yeah. Another thing that I felt that was really great about this degree, uh, we have one board of certification for all of Canada. Um, we have several um, educational institutions that offer uh, this program. I think there's like six now in Canada, but essentially if I finish my degree in public health, um, I could pick up and move anywhere in Canada. And I pretty much feel that even if I crossed the border to the U.S., I'd probably be able to um, find myself um, a position within the field as well. But essentially, I could go anywhere to any jurisdiction, and I was qualified to do my job. I didn't have to rewrite another exam. I didn't have to recertify with another board. And I liked that flexibility because I was thinking, okay, you know, four years down the road, I don't know where I'm going to be. Yeah. Do you feel like this was your calling? <laughs> get into the educational realm of it? Um, I don't know that it was my calling. I know that I, I was very comfortable with my choice, even up to, you know, four years later in graduation, I still felt that what I had done was good. And I believe a lot of doors are open for graduates of this program. So it's a, it's a nice, it was a nice path for me. Um, you know, after I graduated, I chose uh, something that felt that, that met my need of education. And I think yeah there's a calling in me to sort of be an educator. And yeah. um, we have a long line of educators in our family from both sides of, of uh, my parents. So mm -hmm. I think that was something natural. Um, and this field also gave me some flexibility in terms of what I wanted my family life to look like. Mm -hmm. Can you tell me a bit more about that family life balance? Um, and your work balance. Sure. Um, so I, I wasn't married at the time when I chose this program, but I did get married um, as I was going into my third year. And I knew that for me as an objective, I kind of wanted um, a career, but a career that offered me enough flexibility that if I did have children, um, either I could still keep my, um, my feet in the, the career field Mm -hmm. but maybe not commit to a full-time, over-demanding, exhausting job where I couldn't be a full-time mom and do that as well. Um, so that was really important. And I made choices in my career based on wanting to be a full-time mom, but not losing complete connection with my career. And yeah. 
when I got into education, I worked full time and I was developing training materials. And then I, I went on to um, developing them and, and delivering them. But when I had my children, I was able to control how much I would work, right? How many courses I would give. And I, I took on more of a consultant freelance worker at that point. And it worked perfectly. And it still does. Um, so it's been 20 years uh, where I'm, I'm working. Uh, it'll be 20 years actually this summer where I'm working in this field and I have control over how often I work, how much I work, and I can have a really good balance with my family life. Yeah. And that was really important for me. So it, it worked. And even if we look at the role as a health inspector, if somebody wanted to stay with that traditional role and for youth who are listening to that for that purpose, I think as a public health inspector as well, even when I was thinking of working full-time, it was a type of job that I could work Monday to Friday in most cases, nine to five, eight to four, and I could leave my work at work. It didn't require me to do much outside of those hours. Um, and also, I mean, to mention, if we go back to the traditional public health uh, realm, if people don't want to be stuck in an office and that's not what they're looking for, they want that flexibility to be out there, to be meeting people, that's part of the job as well. You're not working in an office all day long you're not cooped up in that space you're out you're interacting so there's um, something for every kind of personality in this exactly mm -hmm. we have a question for you from the audience actually um one of our listeners is asking what kinds of challenges does or do you face as a consultant uh whether it's client-wise not working one place all the time or Mm -hmm. It's a great question. Time management, but I think a lot of people go through that everywhere, right? Um, part of it also, when you work as a consultant, you have to understand how is your name getting out there? How are people finding out about you? And a lot of it has to do with word of mouth. If people want to work more than me, then you also have to work a little bit on advertising yourself and putting the, the, your, the word out there. So sometimes I'm found, I find myself in, in that dilemma, like maybe I should be working a little bit more. Maybe our pockets could use a little bit more in terms of the finances, but then I have to work on putting myself out there. So like marketing skills and so on. Those are, that's some of the challenges. Yeah. Um, I haven't found the rest too hard to manage and it's been, a, it's been gradual and because I have a bit of control over it, it helps. But uh, as well in my field, I'm, it's not a, I haven't found it super competitive. So for me, I'm, I'm stable. I don't have a lot of competition. I don't have to work very, very hard to, yeah. to get my business out there. I don't know if it would be for the same for everybody. In terms of uh, work availability all over Canada, where is there more of a demand for mm -hmm. uh, people um, in the field of public health? Yeah. So It'll go in waves, and I think it's like that in many in many industries. So when I was graduating, there was a big vacuum, a big need for public health inspectors. So I know a lot of our graduates, maybe not just when we finished, but um, they got hired. And again, normal traditional jobs would be within the city of of uh, the city public health uh, unit, for example, would be the the main hire. Um, the good thing about this job is that there are op opportunities in other governmental agencies, you know, related to health. Um, for example, in Canada, the Public Health Agency of Canada, for example, um, you can work in community centers, um, you can freelance. Um, so there are a lot of options out there. Um, and the demand will really be in terms of waves. Um, recently, I've heard that there's maybe a bit more competition for positions for the traditional role of a health inspector. Mm -hmm. um, so it really depends on how many people, are, how many graduates. So when I graduated from my program in 1999, there were two um, 
major schools, I think a third university was offering a postgraduate program where if somebody had a, a bachelor's already could come and do a two-year um, graduate program to become a health inspector. So I think now with six schools in Canada, we're getting more certified inspectors out there. Yeah. You've been in this field for 20 years? Yeah. Um, so this question I'm going to ask now might have changed since uh, you were in school, but do you know what the younger generation's path would look like if they're trying to get you to your field from high school? Mm -hmm. It's not very demanding in terms of grades. Mm -hmm. uh, I was a good student, but I was always involved in many other activities. So if you're that type of student and you're listening, yeah. um, competition to get in is probably not, a, you know, it's not going to be anything like medical school, right? You have to be good in the science. Um, you have to, uh, what I liked about the field too, and when you look at the course selection, you have a very broad range of stuff. So you have some in the science, you have some in math, you have some in like, for example, health education, um, health promotion. So things where you have to do presentations and so on. Um, so I believe the, the, there's a good array of subjects and that's what I liked it, about it as well. It wasn't too demanding on one particular subject. And usually it's a, it's a four-year undergraduate program. Um, you would have the um, experience component, which is part of it, which I like. Any program that offers you a, a co-op option is great. And that is there, I think, intertwined in all of the, um, the different schools where they will put you within a placement, normally as a traditional public health inspector. So you get that opportunity to see what it's like. And you also, a lot of people would sometimes get hired from the health unit where they actually have their co-op placement. Um, I don't know if that answers your question, but pretty much that gives you a good basis of what you're going to be doing and how you're one option for you when you finish mm -hmm. your, your graduate, your undergraduate degree. Um, in terms of master's programs, does a person need to do a master's of public health or you chose a different round to do the master's mm -hmm. of education? So how would those, if you do different types of master's and complete that, how would those play a role in your field? Mm -hmm. Well, it opens more doors, is that, that's for sure. Since I've graduated, um, I think maybe about 10 years ago, I know uh, Ryerson University in Toronto added a Master's of Public Health, but related to their bachelor's program. So we do have Master's of Public Health that are offered by other universities that are more related to sort of science and medical uh, side of things. Yeah. Um, but this one was particular for people who are health inspectors who want to get into management or, or perhaps other uh, fields within that health unit. Um, I know some of my uh, fellow students when I graduated went on to epidemiology and became an epidemiologist or they worked for communal, uh, they, they've um, done a graduate degree in communicable diseases. So things like working for um, the CDC, the Center for Disease Control, for example. Um, there's also a master's in community health and epidemiology. So a lot of people were doing that, for example, at the University of Toronto. Um, it, this degree, the undergraduate degree, is a degree in applied science. So it can open the doors to anything within the science field, if you like. And I ended up choosing a master's of education yeah. that was offered in the city where I live. I live in Ottawa. And uh, this master's of education, one of the streams was a master's for health professions education. So um, some of the students who were in this program were um, doctors or pharmacists, dentists, anybody within the health professions. And I, I fit in there kind of with my yeah. public health degree, but essentially people who want to go back either within their school of medicine, nursing, whatnot, and teach or within their hospital or workplace or whatnot. So for me, it was an idea like, well, I'm already developing training programs. I'm teaching. I'm within the field of education. Let me 
mm-hmm. fine tune that, learn more about that, as well as maybe as a future career option, I can go within, you know, the public health units, agencies, and teach mm-hmm. other health professionals something that would be important for them. So I felt I still had options, you know, for graduate degrees. And the, the option I chose, Open Doors, but all of those options um, are great avenues to pursue. And you would never go back and uh, do another master's to open more doors? Mm, I don't think so. Okay. At, at this point, I think um, where I am in my, in my life and what I want to do, I think um, I have what it needs for me to do um, what I would probably like to do. Maybe if I went back many, many years ago, yeah, I might have chosen certain avenues to pursue that um, also combine my love for community work, for example, mm-hmm. you know, um, but that's okay. I can still do that with what I have, but maybe I would have jumped into that um, more as a, um, yeah, like an intertwine between my career and my passion. Um, right now they're kind of a little bit separate, you know, like I, I love teaching, but I'm not always teaching about the topic that I wish to teach about, you know? Yeah. Do you wish someone would have told you that from the beginning or given you a nudge in that direction? Yes, I think it would been it would have been nice. I was thinking about the professors we had were amazing and they were professors who had experience in the field, which was really great. All the teachers that we had at least at Ryerson were teachers who were working in the field. But we didn't have many of them who had the sort of community service um community health, those type of uh, directions. We had very the, the very traditional health inspector um, type of, of experience that were related to us. So I think if I had a little bit more of that, a bit more of support or guidance, I could have um, gone that, that route. Yeah. Uh, that would have been interesting, but it's okay. I'll get there if I need to. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you've already tried, like sort of paved your way into that. So yeah. yeah. Um, you do a lot of extracurriculars also on the side. Mm-hmm. Uh, can you tell us a bit about that as well? Mm-hmm. And how well, that plays a role in balancing your life? Mm-hmm. So I have three daughters, and yeah. um, I've been working with uh, youth for um, for a long time since I've been a youth. I think I've I've started working with them, and uh, um, in Ottawa we have a youth club, so a, a club for for girls and boys. I help with the girls' club. We meet Friday nights and. Uh, what we try to do is, uh, I was so happy to hear about this initiative because we really want to to offer them sort of that mentorship, very close peer work where they have someone not too far in age. So of course, I'm much further in age than most of the people who are working directly with the youth. But um, to give them a space where they feel comfortable, and when we're talking about the girls specifically, because that's who I'm involved with, giving them a space where they can come and learn, learn about their religion, learn about other things, other skills that are important for them as young um, young women, and give them a space where they feel comfortable to also do some recreational activities. So for example, you know, we have um, a gym time where you know, they'll play sports, we have a um, a craft area where they'll, you know, so depending on their interests, cooking, baking, um, so I'm very passionate about that. It's been going on strong in Ottawa for over 15 years. Uh, now I've seen like second and third generation of young girls that were with us who've now, you know, our careers and uh, sorry, have their own careers and our moms themselves. So it's great to see that. Okay, so what, um, oh, we have another question coming in from the audience. Um, this is more about your work as a consultant. Mm-hmm. 
And if you, so here's a question. Can a person pursue a consulting business on the side of their full-time job? It's mm, a good question. And how can they start something like that? Yeah. Um, what I have seen usually, and I can only give you the experience from public health inspectors and not from my own, my own experience in terms of being a health inspector and then have, trying to be a consultant at the same time. But I know that when I was on the side of helping the education portion get out there, we were looking for uh, consultants, trainers, and whatnot who would teach. Mm -hmm. And somebody who has a health background, a public health background, is a perfect teacher, usually. Uh, but no, usually we found that there was a conflict if they were going to be uh, paid for that consulting work um, separate. Um, it really would depend on the person's, um, you know, agreements with their employers and so on. So I can't speak for everyone. I know some health inspectors who solely focus on education within their role uh, at the health unit. And sometimes after they've decided to branch out on their own. So I would say... Why is there an issue if it's uh, if you're doing a consulting gig while doing your full-time job? Yeah, if they're being paid separate mm -hmm. for their consulting gig, um, I believe there are conflicts of interest in terms of like um, um, the fact, like how did you get that customer? And you know, you for example, if I went into a restaurant and I inspected and I said, okay, well, you know, the new regulation states you need to have at least one food handler trained. And it's like, oh, where should I go for this? And it's like, oh, you know what? I do this as a consultant on the side okay. <laughs> here, you know? Um, so all health units usually offer also an education component where people can go and, uh, mm -hmm. and get that education. Um, and, you know, just like if I need a, a thermometer recommended, it's like, oh, go to this supplier. I can't yeah. always refer. I might say, you know, there are these suppliers. You can find a list on a website somewhere. So I think there's a little bit of a conflict sometimes um, when it comes down to that, to mm -hmm. that you mm -hmm. gained on the job. Okay. Exactly. Makes sense. That's one example, at least yeah. that I can think of. Mm -hmm. um, but if someone were to think about doing that, would there be a way to make it possible? Um, I do know that um, I have met a couple health inspectors who have been able to through their agreements with their employer. Okay. And this is like all across Canada where, you know, on the weekends, for example, uh, they have. Sometimes it might be due to availability as well, you know. Um, I, I've been in the field for a long time, over 20 years, and I've seen, you know, different parts of Canada put in requirements for food handler training. So it's not always like, and if we look at a country like Canada, it's extremely vast. It, the same would be true for the U.S., where there are some hard-to-reach areas as well. Mm -hmm. So I wouldn't say it's impossible. It is possible. I know that there's a lot of um, people who who consider it as a retirement option as well, where they might go into consulting using the specialty that they've gained through their career to then do that. Mm -hmm. um, within the, the this field, you know, education is one component, but there's also the a component of going in and doing audits. You know, I could very well, as part of my consultant business, uh, open a company that also does audits, which means I would go in and make a mock, a mock inspection, um, look at the same criteria that a health inspector would would look at and yeah. offer, for example, a food chain, say, I'm going to go and visit all your locations and I will tell you what, where are you and what you should change and what should you improve. And there are, for example, in the food industry, some chains who really want to be above the bar mm -hmm. and want to want to be ready, even, you know, not depending on the, the city health inspection, for example. And again, I'm a lot of what we're focusing on our restaurants, but that's not the scope of all health inspectors, you know, it could be much wider than that. I think we're focusing a little bit because that's been 
sort of my field, you know, right? With education and and safe food handling. And that's nice that everyone can pave their own uh, way in this field, which is uh, very refreshing. Mm Mm-hmm. I think one main message is there's a lot of options within this field. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would encourage youth who are listening or, or your listeners, you know, look into it because there are, um, you know, different fields of interest. You might find something that works for you. And it's not something that was very popular. I didn't know many people who did this job. Right. Um, and I've hear I've heard that a lot by other students who've gone into the field. What do you last piece of advice before we wrap up the show um, that you have for our listeners today? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, my mom has been an inspiration in terms of the way she organized her life and her career. And one thing she showed me throughout her life is that she's always not been afraid to make changes and mm-hmm. um, uh, sometimes, you know, learn about a different field and then go into it. I think she's changed her career like three or four times, quite significant changes. And I like that. So I know when I was looking for my career path, I was looking for something that would offer me some fluidity. So that's what I wanted. I wanted something mm-hmm. where I don't necessarily have to do this for the rest of my life. I might do this for a little while. It might turn into something else. And I think that's important for the youth to know. One, you don't have to do that, but it's okay if it does end up that that's how your life goes. So mm-hmm. stay curious. Um, and uh, if you have that fluidity available in your career or your study path, then that's something that's great because you might find in your life you need that um, opportunity to change. Either you're bored yeah. or your situation might change, for example, as a parent or you know your financial situation, mm-hmm. um, your location. Mm-hmm. So I think that's one thing I would like to advise all listeners that it's okay. Um, and combine your interests as well. Yeah, for sure, if yeah. you can. Well, thank you so much, Maria, for this uh, insight into your career and into the field of public health. It was my pleasure. Thank you. You were just listening to the UMentor Talk Show. If you missed this or future shows, you can always hear the replay on the UMentor website. If you want to reach out to today's speaker and ask her any questions, you can visit our online platform at umojaoutreach.org slash unleashthefuture slash groups, or just visit the UMentor website and hit the link for online platform. Make sure to tune in next week on Saturday at 3 p.m. for another panel of speakers and more stories.